This is CYG producer Gina Delvac with a supersized episode for you this week. We kick things off with Donna Edwards, Congresswoman from Maryland who's running to replace Barbara Mikulski in the Senate. We hear some hot topics on stage. And then Amina's interview from a little while back with Kara Swisher of Recode, amazing tech site. She of infinite scoops, it seems, on stage at the Lesbians Who Tech Summit in San Francisco. This is actually where Kara first broke her news of her intention to run for mayor of San Francisco that you might have heard about this week. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere and in Washington, D.C. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. And on tonight's agenda, we have a little current events recap, including a very personal Uber dilemma, uh, some chat about the newest potential Kardashian, Hillary's liability, get it? And as if that were not enough, we will have Congresswoman Donna Edwards here with us too. serious business, uh, like Congresswoman Donna Edwards. She represents Maryland's 4th Congressional District, which is very nearby, so you should all know her. Um, She's the first African-American woman to represent Maryland in Congress. Yes. She has had a hugely impressive and diverse career as a nonprofit public interest advocate and in the private sector on NASA's Space Lab program. What? I know. (laughs) In 1994, as co-founder and executive director of the National Network to End Domestic Violence, she led the effort to pass the Violence Against Women Act. You may have heard of it. These days, she serves on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee and on the Science, Space, and Technology Committee. She's a ranking member of the subcommittee on space. She's also a badass. Um, So... Please welcome to the stage, Congresswoman Donna Edwards. Hello. Thanks for coming. Um, How good. I that, was wondering about No, my we poured wine. you one. Thank we poured you. you one. The one without the lipstick is yours. Yeah, ours have already been marked <laughs> yeah. with lipstick. So cheers. cheers. <laughs> so my first question is, why aren't you an astronaut? <laughs> because... Seems like you could have been an astronaut. Politics seems not as fun compared to that. So here's the thing. I wasn't an astronaut. Go figure. No, I actually worked on this program called Space Lab, which, by the way, is now in a museum. What was it? I know. It it was a laboratory that fit into the cargo bay of the space shuttle, which also doesn't exist anymore. R.I.P. Yeah. (laughs) R.I.P. Awesome. Um, Well... As many people in this room may know, Carol Mosley Braun is the only black woman senator we have ever had in this country. 227 years, one black woman senator. Absolutely shameful. You are running for a Senate seat right now. (laughs) 
The primary is right around the corner. We're curious about that legacy and what that means to you. It's been many, many years. <laughs> well, it's really huge. And uh, Carol Mosley Braun, I mean, I remember when she was elected, I thought then that we had already had black women elected because black women do a lot of really great stuff, like elect presidents. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But we hadn't, and so it just, it's amazing to be at this point and to know that we're really on the cusp of making this happen, and I say it's a big we, um, because it's going to take all of us in Maryland, it doesn't matter where you live, to make sure that this election happens, and we've had a history of people not showing up to vote, and so today, we need everybody showing up to vote. Yeah. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about the wage gap, just knowing that over a 40-year career, it's, it's largest for both African, uh, African-American women and Latina women, where it amounts to like 1.6 million and 1.8 million, respectively. And, you know, just the disparity there is really shocking, what we're doing about changing that. Well, I mean, I like shoes, but think what I could do with $1.6 million or $1.8 million, Amen. right? Apart from, save for retirement or, you know, send your kids to college or buy a home or start a business or all the things that women could do if we were paid equally uh, to men. And I just think it's 2016, and when young women graduate from college today, they should know that on day one, that for the rest of their 40 years in the workforce, that they're going to make the same as the men along whose side they work. I have a question that's also related to money. I mean, one thing that I think about a lot is that if you are in electoral politics, you have to learn how to raise money and ask for money quite a lot. You know, I know people help you with that, but... um, And then there's this parallel question of, like, how do women advocate for themselves and ask for raises and ask for promotions and, and do that for those of us who aren't in elected office. I'm wondering what you've learned about asking for money. Well, I think it's really tough. When I was in the nonprofit sector and I had to go out and raise money for a cause or an issue like domestic violence and sexual assault, it was somehow easier uh, to go and ask people for money to support things like that. But it was really difficult to learn how to ask for money for myself for a campaign. It actually felt really awkward. Hi, how are you? I haven't seen you since high school. But I just want to remind you that I was the class president and I'd like you to give me money. To I'm still running. <laughs> You're like friending everyone really, really like on Facebook. You know, when I first, when I first ran for, for Congress and certainly now in this run for Senate, I pulled out, I don't throw anything away, and thank goodness, because I pulled out every old notebook, Rolex piece of paper that I had with a phone number and a name on it, and thank goodness for the internet, because I tracked them all down, and I called everybody I had ever gone to school with, and I went to 14 schools when I was growing up, because my dad was in the Air Force, and so that's a lot of people to call. (laughs) So it got easier after a while. It, it, it easier. It just got different. And I think one of the challenges that women have is that we aren't really connected to all of those networks that have money. And so it takes us collectively putting together our money, you know, small, you know, checks. I receive checks from people who give me $5 or $2 a month or whatever it is that they can afford because they want to invest in my candidacy. 
And you know what? The, I'm not going to all the big donors saying, give me $2,700. $2,700 is a lot of money. Yeah. You yes. know, I remember you know, <laughs> when it was hard to put food on the table and going around to somebody and say, hi, how are you? And it's really weird. You're calling people that you've never seen, who've never seen you. You don't know from Adam or Angela. And you, you, know, and you ask them, you say, hi. I'm Donna Edwards. I'm running for the United States Senate in Maryland to replace Senator Barbara Mikulski, who's retiring. And by the way, would you give me $2,700? It's just weird. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) People in the audience, you know where this is going to lead to. If you care, there's specific things you can do about this. Um, We'll talk about them later. Last night in, uh, in our hotel room, we were watching an attack ad against you, and somebody, uh, somebody, I didn't even write his name down because it was like literally nobody important said, <laughs> so annoyed. Uh, he said in the ad, he was like, diversity is important, but what's more important is electing people that get things done. Just the insinuation... Ouch. You know, the insinuation that you're not somebody who, who gets things done and that your record doesn't speak for itself, like how, you know, like how do you respond to that? Well, I mean, I get things done differently. You know, people don't live their lives at the 30,000-foot level where folks are talking about tax inversions and budgets. They're on the ground where they have to feed their families, pay their college debt, pay the rent, you know, basic stuff. And so when I first came to Congress, the very first piece of legislation I ever passed was to do something called give Maryland students dinner. Kids who needed breakfast and lunch and they were going home without dinner. And that was the very first piece of legislation, first law that I ever passed. That's about doing something real in people's lives. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't see the ad because I probably would have hissed too. <laughs> We were like, I thank you. I yeah. love that, like, associated hissing. Thing. <laughs> you know, just thinking also about the turn that it's taken, right? Because this, this campaign is it's a real, it's a real nail biter. Finally, like, people didn't expect it, and it's, you know, it, it's getting more personal as you know, like, you're ahead in the polls now. To be if you clear, didn't the know this. Is in two weeks. Yes. Two weeks. April 26th. Put it in your phone. Um, but you know, like, seeing how you know, like, what. The momentum that that gives you, right? Like, do you think that the more people start going after you and after your record, that it's, you know, it's kind of a good thing because they're they're bringing their A game now? Well, I think it's a sign that we're running a really smart campaign that's about people's real lives. And when you look at the latest two polls that have me ahead, uh, I think that's a good sign. And so when folks start attacking you, it means that you're doing something right. And you know, politics is tough. And it's hard to run for elective office. And I think a lot of women don't choose themselves to, you know, to run because it does get really personal and the attacks get really personal and you have to develop kind of a thick skin. So I've had to do that, either that or... (laughs) Coping... You are, you are um, a very prominent single mom. We are among a huge group of single women. Not everyone, but a lot of single women here tonight, I am sure. And powerful electoral block. But I'm curious if you... I know, I mean, everyone's like not even cheering. We're like, duh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go on. Uh, <laughs> but we're wondering about, like, in terms of legislation and thinking about single women 
what would you introduce or push for that would help like that specific population? Well, I think one pay. We've got to straighten out this notion that women can go to work for the entire course of their career and progressively make less than the men who work beside them. I mean, that is an absolute because it constrains everything else that we do. You know, making choices about our own reproductive freedom. I just need... So think about it. Who do we need in the room? We need our doctor and we need ourselves. We don't need anybody else and we definitely do not need men in the United States Senate. I'm shocked this is playing well in this crowd. (laughs) Look, I'm 57, so I'm not going to hang around for like the tampon conversation, but... um, But you know, this one right else. here, I can deal with. There's something else you want to get personal around. You, we can, you can, we can switch that conversation and have you around if you would, if you would like to like give your your perspective on that issue. We can, we can work that out. But, you know, equal pay isn't the only thing that we need equality for. Let's yeah. just say that. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, you know, now that we've tackled all the really hard questions, we have some. We have some even more exciting ones. They're just a rapid fire. Uh, things that some people in the audience want to know, things that we want to know. Number one is, how do you feel about the Thursday night Shondaland lineup? (laughs) Do you you participate? Who are your favorite characters? Do you also think it's problematic that the DNC keeps holding debates on Thursdays, which means they don't care about black people? Let me just say, I've heard that that is very problematic. It's, it's, yes. I haven't watched most of the debates because of this. (laughs) So what do you watch for TV? Oh, gosh, this is such a loaded question. (laughs) This is the landmine. (laughs) Okay. I love HGTV. (laughs) Perfect. Property Brothers. We need to get specific here. Property Brothers... You know, flip or flop. (laughs) I'm okay with buying a house and redoing it in Waco, Texas. (laughs) Chip and Joanna, so handsome. And I'll I'll head to Minneapolis, climb up on a ladder, and, you know, have a hammer. Do you find that relaxing? Do you find those shows relaxing? It's motivating. Mm. And so I've decided that you know, should this Senate thing not work out? I'm counting on it working out, but we always have to have a backup plan. I'm a Girl Scout. Uh, and my backup plan is to start, you know, a home repair reconstruction business. <laughs> Do the plumbing and the tile. And... We know a lot of people that will invest with you. That's great. <laughs> it's true. Okay, so you, everyone in the audience has heard a few of the songs we listen to to pump ourselves up before like a big work thing or, you know, a large event where you're talking to a bunch of strangers and you might be nervous. Um, what, what is the song that you listen to when you need to like feel confident? This girl is on fire. <laughs> I am. favorite snacks in your like office right now oh, my fa- favorite snacks 
Oh my gosh, I, I think anything with a nut. <laughs> um, my favorite thing though, it's a payday. I love oh, yeah. paydays. It's the so, combination of the salt and the sugar. <laughs> yes. Now you're going to win. You won, you won all of us. Payday, also a well-titled snack for someone who is exactly. into wage equality. Yeah. <laughs> Very on brand. You know, we interviewed Huma Abedin, and she said she liked power bars and quest bars, and I was like, she is, like, visualizing something <laughs> with her snack. And I feel like the payday is the same. Absolutely. Like, 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 if anyone is starting a snack company to market to women, call it something like, you know, Very big win. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, here are some very specific things that you can do if you want to support Zona Awards. Thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. I'm feeling so energized. <laughs> Proximity to power, it is intoxicating. <laughs> I'm like, I, I was just sweating. <laughs> I am sweating. Um, okay, so we, you might have noticed we sort of flipped things from the normal order of the show because we wanted to be accommodating to the congresswoman's schedule. But I do feel like, you know, I just want to do a little check-in. How are you feeling? You look really cute. Thank you. <laughs> I know, right? I don't know. I feel good. It's good to be back in D.C. We have so many friends in the audience. It's a little Shout terrifying. Out to all of our friends. <laughs> No, you people are rowdy people. <laughs> um, Amina and I met here. That's like, we have a lot of emotional ties to D.C. I know, we, we've done some like highly touristy things. I got this, uh, like one of those bags that is, has the Obama's faces on them. Where when I lived here, I never wanted any of the swag because only tourists said that. And now that I'm a tourist, I'm going ham. I just I want everything. How are you yeah. doing, Anne? Um, I, okay, well, I had a very traumatic experience last night that... Well, we all had a traumatic experience. I was experience. also there. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, okay. So, to, a little bit of backstory, which is that when, um, we, when I arrived on Friday, we had this long conversation about what you're supposed to rate Uber drivers or anyone who provides you sort of like a startup-y like, service. Sharing with, economy. Sharing, sharing economy. That's really just economy. Um, <laughs> the, what, what, what you should rate those people because I sort of feel that it's like tipping 20% that even if the service was really bad, like the system is stacked against people who make those wages and I should always give five stars unless something egregious happens. That's like personal point of view. Not everyone agrees with this, but I feel really weird anytime something kind of bad happens like rating less than five stars. And you could maybe read some gender stuff into that with like, you know, women wanting to like, you know, give out approval or receive approval. I don't know. I haven't totally unpacked it, but I was just saying I had um, Gina and I shared an Uber to the airport in LA and it was like the weirdest dude. And he like took surface streets all the way to the airport and we were nervous. It was 6am. Anyway, I was like, I should have rated him low. Also, after Gina got out of the car, he said to me, how old are you? Nothing good can come of this when an Uber driver asks you that. <laughs> And I was like, I'm 34. And he goes, oh, you sound like a millennial, but smart. I was like, you should lose a star for that. (laughs) Anyway, but I rated him five stars because I always do, and I made the flight. So I was presenting this dilemma, and I was like, what do you do? Not give them five stars (laughs) to start with. No, but for real. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I had never really thought about this until... I had a really bad Instacart experience because I live in San Francisco and we do nothing for ourselves. <laughs> like every app is, what did my mom used to do for me? How can I turn that into an app now? So that's, 
that's how we roll. So I order all of my groceries, somebody delivers them, and there's a very, like, a very bad thing happened. And I rate him, like, semi-poorly. I feel like a three was fair. But I wrote a long explanation. I was like, here's the thing that happened. And within five minutes, I get an email back from Instacart that's like, we have fired this driver. I was like, this was not this my intention. My this is my greatest I, fear. I had never thought this through. And so they're like, we're going to fire him. And now I'm crying. And I'm talking to my friend. I'm like, I got somebody fired. The economy is hard. What do I do? And, <laughs> and she was like, no, no. Tell them that if they fire him, you will never shop there again. So they fix it. They're like, okay, fine. He just won't deliver to you. And we'll give him better training. But I had never thought of this until... Um, now we're laying it out. Anne and I and Gina are in a car yesterday. Well, last, very late last night on very the way late. home from our friend Amanda's house. Shout out, Amanda. And I am not paying attention because I'm one track mind to falling asleep. I, I can visualize the bed. So and it was the three of us in the back seat of the car, Amina on the left, Gina in the center, and me on like the right-hand side. And then I hear Anne scream, and she's like, no, no. And I'm like, ugh, what is this again? (laughs) The the last sound from your loved one that you will ever hear, because a car was barreling toward us. Like, he was going directly through a red light. And then I realize that the driver is going through a red light. Somebody's going to hit Anne, and I'm screaming, not the moneymaker. Don't hit And then the driver pretends that nothing happened. Like, we weren't just three hysterical women in his backseat. We were sort of gaslighted by an Uber driver who almost killed us. I mean, I kind of respect his hustle, because he just looked at us like, "Um, here, right here, are you ready to go? And and then we get to the room, and Anna's like, what am I supposed to rate him? And I was like, are you kidding me? So... Okay, but real talk. So, so I, I devised this plan to use all of you as a way for me to feel like not morally responsible for the rating for this Uber driver. So I feel like we're going to do a little thing. <laughs> Cheer for the number of stars you feel I should give this Uber driver who nearly murdered us and then kind of pretended it didn't happen. Also, yes, remember this. We almost died to this could happen to you. <laughs> That's what you need to remember. But counterpoint, also remember the economy is really tough. And, and like, also, do you want to live in a world where, like, everybody is rating everybody? I don't know. I have, like, just, no. (laughs) Gina's shaking her head backstage. I have dystopian feels about that. Like, I don't, like, okay, okay. Cheer if you think I should give this man five stars. I heard, I heard a brief applause. Did I make that up? You are Okay. Right. You're okay, right. four stars. We almost died. Hey, stop <laughs> trying to sway the jury. This is <laughs> four stars. Okay, three stars. Pretty good. Two stars. My people. Okay. One star call 911. I'm going to split the difference at two. That's not splitting the difference. I'm literally going to log into my Uber app and rate him two stars right now. Journalism majors. <laughs> One star. It's okay. We're here. We're I mean, here I think now. they're both bad, right? Like, I'll, they will email me and be like, what happened, right? Yes. Really, if you want to know this, anything three stars and below, they'll contact you. It's okay. Fine. Sorry, Michael. Two stars. <laughs> Submit. Thanks for that, you guys. Needed your help. <laughs> what else are we talking about? I feel like we need to lighten the mood. Um, in this frame, you have one Robert George Kardashian and beautiful woman known as Black China, government name Angela White. 
according to Instagram, they are engaged. It's very unclear. <laughs> it's, and we've discussed the saga of these two before, so I won't rehash it. But I want to point out some key things. First of all, Black China has indicated that if her and um, Robert get married, she will change her name to Angela Kardashian, which is the most Game of Thrones thing in the world. <laughs> Because she essentially is telling... Kylie Jenner stole her, her baby daddy, and now she's stealing her brother. That's amazing. It's like, <laughs> empires rise and fall. So, <laughs> she's so beautiful. I'm really supportive of this. If you want to find out more about them, mostly follow them on Snapchat, where all they do is sit in cars and eat food. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, you're so famous. You have so much money. Why are you always in a car? Like, in a drive-thru. I don't understand this, but I really support this, and I hope it's real and they're not playing with us. I mean, can it be real if it's only been reported on Instagram? Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy for these two. They found each other. Wait, so even though you feel it's true love, even though you described it as basically like a revenge plot. Which is usually what true love is. Here's the thing with famous people. You just, like, don't know what they're up to. So when they give you this much access, you just have to go with it. And the fact that the sisters are not commenting on it makes me feel that it's real. Where's Chris in all of this? Um, devastated, probably. Crying uh, alone at home? And, like, probably giving them a show very soon, because she has to. So, yes. The real winner here is us. Like, don't worry. <laughs> We're always the real winner. We are. Uh, okay. What else? Well, we've talked a lot about Bill Clinton lately and how we kind of wish he would just go away and stop talking. <laughs> he is determined to be the only Clinton in the White House. Like, that's... Mina's convi- convinced it's a conspiracy theory of, like, him saying really stupid things about Black Lives Matter and what was his other... There was, like, another Yeah, there was something about education, but the Black Lives Matter thing was oh. very egregious and defending his own crime bill that is so problematic... That, and was, that was what it was. It was like, yeah. yeah, I was so right in the 90s when I locked up all yeah, of those Yeah, and he's people. like, and my wife was right to call them super predators. It's like, are you not listening to Twitter? Like, you can't do that <laughs> anymore. So I am convinced that it's, it's a conspiracy theory. Whoa. He knows what, he, he like, knows what he's doing. Did you see lights dim when you said it's a conspiracy theory? <laughs> um, and, like, what do you... I don't know, like, how much of a liability is he? I love saying liability. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that there's a whole thing. We all like to pretend that we might have like made different choices if we were in Hillary Clinton's shoes at various points in history. And there is a part of me that's like, okay, like you, you stuck with him as long as you needed to in this like house of cards scenario. Like, like it's time to just like, like, you know, like drop the weight and like, you know, full speed ahead. Um, you know, there, I do have, I do have that kind of like long view. You people are cold. I mean. <laughs> I, as much as I love our conversations about like what he would do as Fedotas, first dude of the United States, um, I really, I'm just like, ugh, I just like don't care. Like I was over it in the 90s. I'm over like him defending things that he did in the 90s that were not great. I'm like, you had your time to shine. Yeah. I mean, just, I just go away. Okay. I mean, he should go away. I think we're agreed on that. Okay. Dear friend of the podcast, Rebecca Traster wrote like more than a year ago, like the case for Hillary dumping Bill at this stage. And she was very prescient. You know, she was like, I hadn't heard any of this yet. And she knew. We've all known. It's also true that when I thought back about the stuff in the 2008 primary that most enraged me from the Clinton campaign, a lot of it was like Bill's extemporaneous speaking. 
You know, I mean, like, not saying that there is no, like, broader liability for some of the stuff that he said that was racially charged in the 2008 primary, but, like, his comments in South Carolina, I don't know, there were many times when I was like... <sighs> Listen, you don't have to convince me. I am right there with you. I just, I just think that, he, you know, they tell him the party line, and every time he goes, how can I ruin this for her? But, and... I mean, but, like, and, and obviously there's, there's also some gender stuff happening here where, like, she was clearly told the party line for a long time no, and, exactly, like, right? did great. Yeah, and, and being a really, a really supportive political spouse where we have a model, you know, for how it works when you're the stay-at-home wife. Yeah. But we don't really, you know, like nobody knows what happens when your, your man is supposed to be the one that's supportive. Well, we know this is what happens. So... It kind of reminds me of, like, I have, I have some friends who are, like, heterosexual couples who do this thing where they're planning on taking turns. Like, one of them will kind of, like, let their job take a back seat for a while while the other one, you know, yeah. like, whatever. They make a move that advantages the other person's career, and then the idea is that they will one day switch roles. And it's, like, shockingly, it's always, like, the woman's career that temporarily takes a back seat while, like, the, the dude's career it is prioritized. It just happens that way, and Who knows why? And it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for me to, like, not read that, like, lay that narrative over, like, the Clintons. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that that's the biggest frustration in that, right? So maybe when Bill listens to this, he'll get the message. I can't <laughs> Huma, pass it along. Yes, Huma will pass it along. We have an inside line now, so we feel that we feel confident. tuning into our DC event. Now, more Power Lady talk between Amina and Kara Swisher on stage at the Lesbians Who Tech Summit in San Francisco. Kara, every... Listen, everybody here is in awe of you. Mm. You show up to... Like, <laughs> it's true. You show up to everything. Do yeah. you sleep? Like, where do you find the time? No, I, I'm a vampire. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I, um, well, you know, why is it so important to you, though? Because that I show up. Yeah, that you show up um, to all of these. You know, you're you're yeah. there for the community and like, yeah, really I concrete think, ways. Yeah, I think you know, I'm an extraordinarily old person, uh, and so <laughs> I remember a time when it wasn't very easy to be out, and it was very difficult, and um, and so I, you know, I really value the ability to give back, kind of, of the people that did all the most amazing things really early when it costs a lot to, um, you know, to be gay, and. Um, you know, not a lot of, it's hard to remember those times, even now I don't even remember that it was difficult, it seems like everybody loves a gay kind of thing, um, but it wasn't, definitely was not the case not very long ago, so I think it's really important to stay visible, and it's always been one of my goals is to stay visible. So I guess, like, what's changed? Like, I'm fairly new to Silicon Valley and the Bay yeah. Area, and it's it seems okay, except that it's very white and yeah. dude-ish, but, yeah. you know, like, except what's... For that, except, except for except that. Except for that, thing. Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? You know, what? but I guess, like, what's... What do you think has, like, changed substantially for, for women, especially for lesbians? Uh, I don't think anything's changed for women. You know that's my big issue. I mean, I think it's really an appalling situation with the set, when you look at the, the diversity numbers that come out of all these companies, which are supposed to be on the leading edge of tolerance, which they are in a lot of ways, um, <laughs> but 70% men, you know, whatever, 70% white. So it's just, it's, it has not, the numbers have not changed, and they've gotten worse. Is there any company you think that's doing anything remotely to change this? Like you know, of the, I, I think they're all trying. I, you know, I, I, they're they're very um, sensitive 
men here in Silicon Valley. <laughs> and so they always, I always saw the story, I, I wrote a story many years ago called The Men and No Women of Facebook. And all I did was put the photos of these, all the, the men and no women of Facebook. This was pre Sheryl Sandberg, who counts for six women apparently. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I just put them up and I, Mark Zuckerberg called me, he's like, oh, that really, well, that wasn't very nice. And I said, well, look at your friggin' management list. It's all, like, white guy, white guy, white guy, Asian guy, Indian guy, white guy. You know what I mean? It was like, it was... That's fair. It was pretty much that. And, and I did it many years later about boards of Web 2.0 companies, which many of the Web 2.0 companies were really aimed at women, a lot of these sites, like Groupon and many, and many, many others. And all of them had the same breakdown. It was all white, um, all-male boards, and it pissed me off. And I, I noted Twitter was one of them. They had 10 literally men within this five-year age range. It was really astonishing. To, all names, like all, the same three names. The same three names. They were all... <laughs> all Jim. No, no, no. It was all... Um, at Twitter, I, I wrote a story and I said, oh, it's just three Peters and a dick. Um, which, was, which it was. Which it was. Which was one of my best lines. That's the benefit to running your own blog. You can do whatever you want. Um, I, couldn't, I could not do that at the Wall Street Journal. Um, I can tell you that. Maybe under Murdoch, uh, but um, <laughs> that guy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and we like we won't touch. Mur- that's Illuminati. Let's, none of I, us. Like, we're not going there. Let's, none of us ever touch Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, we we're not. <laughs> we're not going there. Love just, his Twitter I totally account. I just had a visual of touching Rupert Murdoch in a sexual way. <laughs> Listen, so, I'm blocking it out. Listen, Kara. Okay. So. okay, I'm sorry. Your point being. <laughs> The point being, they're very... So the guy who was head of Groupon, who later got fired, um, Andrew Mason, who's a very nice guy, called me and he said, he goes, Kara, I feel really bad. Like that. Like, I'm like his mother or something like that. And he goes, he goes, I feel bad and I want to do something about it. I said, well, you should have done something in the first place. Like, how did you compile this board in this manner? And he goes, can you help me find women? <laughs> and I was like, I said, I could easily find and women. And you have yeah. binders full of women. I have women binders full of women. And it was just... <laughs> well and they just they sit around and mean well and then they really don't do anything about it and so it's just the same thing it's just the same. that's fair and um my least favorite expression is unconscious bias which i think there's oh, nothing why because there's nothing unconscious about it you know what you uh, i think you know if you're looking across a room at twitter and there are 10 white men there and you didn't notice you're a fucking idiot like that's you know what I mean? that's fair yeah. well I, maybe this is the year some things will change. I'm not holding my... Yes, we're, yes it's so, it seems so hopeful with the Trump presidency with the assist from... <laughs> we'll figure Chris it out. Christie, like bullies. It's like the season of the bullies and assholes. Sarah, would you ever go into politics? Yes, when I are w- you going to run for I, mayor? I, I want to run for mayor of San Francisco someday. Someday? I do. I do. I mean, I think you would make, I think you would make a great mayor. It's like, you know, like, what's next for you? You're already a media mogul. Yeah. Everybody's afraid of you. Yeah. Like, what's the next thing? No, I think... I think mayor would be good. I think mayor would be good. Yeah. Sold. You heard it. You heard it here first. Um, I would have all kinds of weird decrees, though. I'd, I'd have all kinds. of What would be the weirdest like Swisher decree in the you know, Swisher administration? A citywide day you must wear polka dots. Things like that. Like crazy. Okay. I mean, I think we can. I think we can live with that here. You know, or I just I would drive the press crazy because I know how to drive them crazy. Oh my god. Well, okay. Listen, there's. One of the recurring themes today is how mm-hmm. everybody is so supposedly like terrified of you. This is true. I see people like true. run away from you all the time. They do. 
it's undeniable that you still break the biggest scoops and tell yes. the, the biggest stories. And, um, how, you know, so how do you keep doing that? How do you stay in the good graces of these people, Not I guess? Not their good graces. Well, I mean, you know, but, like, stay, um, stay in the circle enough that you get the information, but then you're still, you, you're still a person of integrity. And well, I think job. they, one good thing about being scary is people think you're going to do something to them, like if they don't cooperate. <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> My grandfather was, I wouldn't say mafia, but nearby. <laughs> adjacent. Mafia adjacent. Adjacent. adjacent okay. Um, and I never forget, he was, he was kind of kept things clear in the streets, and someone did something wrong in the, ta- the small town he lived in. And I'll never forget, he goes, he goes to the guy, he goes, you're giving me agita in my stomach. <laughs> I hate having agita. You need to stop doing this the thing. You that, bully you know, all I mean, the tech no, exactly. No, what I do is I think they think I know more than I do, which I kind of do. So they're not really sure where my knowledge is from, and so they they just give up right from the start. <laughs> they just do. I mean, and I also build relationships. I mean, a lot of reporting, and it's unfortunate what's going on today, is based on I was I was mentored at the Washington Post by people like Ben Bradley. I mean, that that's, there's just no better way to get mentored by by real journalists who really spent a lot of time teaching you how to build sources, how to create relationships, how to think on your own, not be yanked in and as a cheerleader, and at the same time not be snarky. You know what I mean? Like really have a real balance. Because I don't like snarkiness. As, well, I'm a little snarky, but you know, I don't like heavy-duty, unintelligent snarkiness. That just is just to be an asshole. And so I was really trained as a journalist. And I think a lot of people... I think I've said this in an interview, is like, how do you get so many scoops? I work harder than everyone else. I work harder than my little passel of millennials who work for me. I work harder than them. I make more calls. I, I, I just work harder. And that's all it takes. You really do have to be persistent. If you want to be a journalist, you have to be persistent, curious, and you have to think really hard in, in terms of scenarios of what could be happening. Okay, so like zooming out, like, you know, 10-year-old Kara, is this what you thought you were going to be doing? Um, No, I was going to be the leader of the world at one point, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, you're getting there. Yes, you know, I thought about being a lawyer, which is in the same sort of area. I I really wanted to go into the Foreign Service and go into the CIA. I actually went down that road far enough. And one of the issues was they didn't allow gay people in the CIA, you know, there was interviews where they were like, well, you're gay, what if someone finds out? I'm like, but I'm out. And they're like, but what if someone finds out? And I'm like, but I'm out. Like, it was like ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what if you go to Saudi Arabia? I'm like, I don't speak Arabic. Why would you send me there? Are you a fucking idiot? (laughs) We should should probably put you in charge of the CIA at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I was, you know, like that zero dark 40 lady. I was going to do a lot of that kind of analysis. That's what I hoped to do and pretend I was in the State Department. But I was really interested in that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a much more uh, a patriotic person than people realize, even though I'm horrified by it. Would system. you have gone in the military? If I wanted to. I wanted to. I know that sounds dumb. Besides, just the uniforms alone. But um, <laughs> the, uh, I, my dad uh, was in the military. He was poor in West Virginia. It paid for his medical school. He was great. It got him to where he was. He died, unfortunately, when I was very small. But I did want to go in the military, but I didn't want to say I wasn't gay. So I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it, and I wouldn't pretend. I hated don't ask, don't tell. I thought it was the most inane thing. Sorry, Clintons, but it was stupid. You know, um, it was such a compromise. And then when I, was, when I finally let gays into the military, I called up, and I was too old. I was too old to go in. You have to be a certain age. So I That's couldn't. That's ridiculous. So, the, you know, the, the uh, distance between me and my ability to shoot guns is now over, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, probably a good thing. I shouldn't have a gun. Um, 
Okay. Listen, that's debatable. But, Let alone you know, a machine gun. It's fine. You know, so switching gears, Kara, a lot of people here are really into you. Like, the men are throwing themselves at you. The women are throwing themselves at you. What's the swisher secret to, <laughs> to keeping it hot and sexy all I mean, these years? You know, that is an unusual way to ask for a date, but I'm taken. <laughs> I think we can still work something out. Okay. okay. Um, I, I don't know what to say about that. I think I've been very lucky in love over my life, and I am now currently. And so I don't know what it is. I think I've, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it helps to be like a powerful. I'm really good in bed, Amina. Well, I am. Let's be honest. I think it surprises people sometimes. Um, so, everybody here has been talking about Scandal. What do you watch? What's, I watch like, Scandal. What's on, your, I what's love on the DVR? Washington. I watch Scandal. Um, I watch Game of Thrones. Uh, the typical things. Um, I watch uh, House of Cards. Okay. I, so I like shoot 'em up movies. I am so excited for London is Falling after Olympus is Falling. <laughs> Sold. Okay. Um, I just took seven boys. I have two sons, and I took them and their friends to see Deadpool, which is probably an unfortunate parental decision. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was fucking funny. So whatever. Again, like, where do you find the time? I yeah. think that this will be. This is like the mystery for the ages. I don't for read me. books anymore. I used to read a lot more books. I spent a lot of time on my iPhone reading on and stuff like that. I, I really enjoy the internet quite a bit. It's been um, good to me. I watched you interview Joanna Coles for yes. Cosmo, and oh, no. she was saying this mumbo jumbo about how when you read a physical thing of paper, yeah. you supposedly like it, it has meaning I, I really hate format fetishists yeah. I don't you know I get like one I think I get one newspaper and I'm really into it yeah. but where are you at in your media diet are you more uh, of a I don't read, I don't read any person? paper I haven't read paper for years and years I mean years ago I think I wrote a story in the Wall Street Journal that I cannot pick up a paper which was not the thing you write in the Wall Street Journal but I, already have. <laughs> I also did one called cutting the cord this was in the early 90s when I first got there in the mid 90s about not ever having a landline so I have been digital for a long, long time. At the Washington Post, they had a suitcase cell phone there, only one, um, and they were testing them out, and I got it. I took it, and I ran around carrying this, like, like it's a miracle I ever dated, but um, I, I had the suitcase phone, I'd be like, carry it around and call in my car and things like that, and, and I would say to people in the newsroom, I, I, was, I think I've been prescient about a couple things, this was one of them, and I said, someday this is going to be small, this is going to be in your pocket, you're not going to have a phone on your desk, you know, I mean, I really was, but they were like, shut up, you know, kind of thing, um, and so the same thing was, the same thing with, uh, with newspapers, the minute it became digital, I happened to be at, at a fellowship at Duke University, it was a teacher's teaching fellowship at the Washington Post had, so reporters came in and out and taught people things, which is always funny reporters teaching people things, but in any case, um, I was using their, I was using the Netscape, I got to use the Netscape browser, which was Mosaic browser at the time, and I used it, I know, it was amazing. Um, I actually met Mark Andreessen when he was very young, and he's still, he's still a big baby. Uh, so, um, I'm, having lunch with, I'm having lunch with him Tuesday, I'm thinking of bringing Indian food, what do you think, right? That's what I'm doing. You, anyone who knows what he tweeted, that appalling tweet that he did, will know what I mean. Back to Netscape. Anyway, I was using the Mosaic browser, and I was on the Duke system, and I downloaded all of this Calvin and Hobbes book, and I messed up the um, I messed up the, the whole system. It was like they were so upset because it was a lot of images, but at the time everything was super slow. I mean, it's astonishing how much how quickly we've come. And so I messed up the whole system, and 
these guys were like, these geeky guys were like, can you believe what you just did? You just messed up this and I said, I downloaded a book. And they're like, but you messed up this and I said, but I downloaded a book. And I kept like, it was the most crazy situation. And they're like, but you, 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 you and I, I said, I downloaded a book. Been, Don't you understand? You've like, always been like, on the forefront of No, the and then of course I'm the only person who hasn't benefited from it. So I'm like literally the stupidest person in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Listen, I, I have had job offers from every major internet company, and I took none of them. Would you, ta- would you take one? Now? It's stupid. I missed everything. I missed all the money. No. I mean, uh, you, I, mean I think you did okay for yourself, I though. did fine. I just sometimes I'm like thinking, guy, Ted Leonsis, who's Jeff Bezos, offered me a job very early, uh, every company. And I keep thinking, right now, I, I love my career. I love what I've done. I love the people we're employing. I love my employees and everything, what we've made. And um, I, I do think, though, I would have liked that billion dollars right about now. Like, you know, or not billion, like several billion, because I would, like, become the Koch brothers of the left, and I just fuck with the right wing like crazy. So I'd like that money. Well, so what advice would you give to anybody who is thinking about coming into tech if they're not, like, a rich white dude or, you know, blessed like you are? Is there, oh. Do you think that there's still space for people yes, to come yes, into the city the and make things? Is, is, you know, of all the industries in our country, it's the most, uh, it is the most open. I mean, there's a lot of things. They, they do mean well, it's, it, even though it has the same results. So I'm not sure what, how to think about that. It still remains the place of, and, and especially in this country, it remains a place of innovation, change, willingness to fail. Those things are not fakeries, although sometimes they talk about them the way they are. When they have an abject failure, they go, well, I meant to do that. You know what I mean? Like, like nice to meet you, Yahoo, kind of thing. But, um, but they... Seriously, they've been failing for a decade now. So, <laughs> it's like, I always say, watch, yeah, it's like watching someone fa- willfully throw themselves down the stairs. You're like, <laughs> should I stop them? Or should I, this is so entertaining, watching. Like, they, I mean, <laughs> listen, we're all enjoying reading you, writing about them, so it's fine. Kara, have you failed at anything? Yes, lots of things. What, like, what's one thing you can tell us about? Oh, let's think. Oh, you sold chipwitches once. Do you remember chipwitches? No, you don't. You're too young. No, I don't uh, know what chipwitches uh, They were an ice cream, and I was really bad. I sold them on the corner when I was in college at Georgetown, and I was just the worst. I was the worst salesman. I'm a terrible salesman. So this is salesman. like your one failure in life. It's no, like way no. back when, when you were at Georgetown. Um, no. I, um, uh, yes, it was, because I, I, I was just bad at sales. <laughs> I was bad at sales. I was, bad. I was like, I, you have to be nice to be a salesperson, you know? <laughs> And their, their little line was, put these chips between your lips. I'll never remember that. And I'm like, I'm not fucking saying that. <laughs> um, and I was just, I was like, just buy one, you fat, ugly. Yeah. Well, it worked out well for everyone. No, it just was, um, it, every time I think I failed is when I wasn't straightforward enough and, and outspoken enough, when I've not spoken. And I, there's lots of times when I've kept it, to, even if you can't believe it, I, there's lots of times when I've kept it to myself. And I think not coming out earlier was something I should have done. I think I was, it was too late. It, was, it should have been very early, even though it had a lot of price to pay. I think not speaking up... Uh, Anytime I don't speak up, I always regret it. Like, but I, I tend to do it. I mean, I was at a, at a Silicon Valley dinner with all these VCs, very rich, and it was during the whole mar- marriage thing going on, and there was a conversation at the table, and this guy, this old, I'm not going to name him, but he's really well-known, such an asshole. So, um, so he, goes, he goes, I don't know if I like this gay marriage thing, and I don't like, I, and of course he did the, uh, lesbians together is okay, you know, that thing. Like, uh, are you fucking kidding me? And so he goes, I don't know if I like this gay marriage thing. I mean, I don't like the idea of two men having, I, I, don't, I don't like two men having sex. Right? I don't like asshole. men having sex. I don't like men having, something like that. And so everyone just let him do it. And I go, 
you know what? If you don't like men having sex, you need to stop doing it. <laughs> and he said, and he goes, I'm not afraid this, he goes, I didn't say I had sex. I said, no, you said you don't like it. So if you don't like it, you obviously had sex with a man and therefore you don't like it. Why are you doing it? So... And then I just kept going with this guy and I'm like, for example, if you look on my plate, zucchini. I hate zucchini. I don't fucking eat it. Like, if you don't like having sex with Ben, you need to stop right now. Like, and he was like, he was like turning that red that old white men turn. And, and he goes, I didn't say that I had sex with men. I said, well, why are you lying to the group about gay sex? Like, what is that? Like, like I don't understand. It's, right? It's like, who asked you? It was so good. It's a great one. You don't, you don't get opportunity. I, I do not regret that. Listen, we're, we're so happy that you get to be in spaces that we, yeah. we can't go to and you yeah. speak up for us. You can go to them. That's not true. Well, you know, one day. Like, why one we... day I'll be an important media mogul no, for No, 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 no. See, that's the thing. <laughs> the internet has, has really leveled things a lot. Anyone can speak. Anyone can do things. You can't use the excuse that you're not in there as not. There is any moment in your life that you can stand up to things. And I think right now I'm on the peer review committee about this uh, SB Nation story, this terrible story about the... Uh, guy who raped a serial rapist of a uh, 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 he, he targeted yeah he targeted uh, poor african-american women and just it's just he was absolutely and justifiably convicted and there was a story in the SB nation that was sympathetic to him <laughs> astonishingly they took it down apologized and stuff and i'm in the middle of this and i can't talk about uh, I'm, I'm in the peer review they always like pull me into a peer group something like this because we're going to be tough on on what happened inside the company inside this particular website which is a usually a terrific website and one of the things that I've noticed, and I can't talk specifically about it, was that everybody, everyone had a feeling that it was bad. And but ve- nobody spoke up. Very few people. And they, but they felt bad about it. And so it was sort of, I, I, you don't want to blame those people for not speaking up, because why should they have to? And at the same time, I don't know if it would have, like the one person who did speak up, who happened to be uh, an African-American editor, woman editor there, she kept speaking up and it didn't matter. You know what I mean? It didn't stop it. It didn't stop this train from going. And so I always thought, like, two parts of me was like, she wasn't able to get what she wanted, but that she did speak up was the right thing. At the same time, why should she be the one that has to speak up? Why couldn't all these other white male editors see the problem right away? You know what I mean? So, So... You are fairly outspoken. It's a thing that, you know, I think for a lot of young women, that's, a, that's something that they're having to constantly renegotiate. Yeah. It's like, how brave can you be yeah. in the workplace? And, well, you can be. And there's so much literature that's geared at us towards that, right? Oh, it's absolutely. Like, lean in, lean out, do, do uh, this and that. But. Okay. And I talked to a woman just the other day, at, uh, a working woman. She, she had some issues around kind of dude speak in the workplace and, and was relating this to me and then said, I don't know, Kara, maybe I'm too sensitive. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, don't say that. Like, yeah. And she's like, well, maybe I'm too sensitive. I'm like, you're not too sensitive. It smells bad. It is bad. Stop. You know what I mean? Like, don't. That's what women tend to self-edit themselves. And I think they, um, I think the thing that really drives me crazy is, you know, whenever people ask me for advice, especially women in tech often come to me and ask for advice, I always, I think of this woman who was a very prominent, very, another very big name who was leaving a company and trying to figure out what to do next. And she had several offers. And she came to me and she goes, I've got this offer, I've got this offer, I've got this offer. What do you think I should do? And I said, well, what do you want to do? And she said, well, this is interesting. I go, no, 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 not these offers. This is coming over the transom. What do you want to do? What is the, what is the, the kind of thing you want to create in your life? 
And she goes, well, this thing, and I said, stop waiting for people to give you things, take what you want. And I think women uh, tend to like self-edit themselves a lot. And it's not, um, and it, I, you know, I have two sons, and believe me, I've ne- I now understand privilege, like how they, <laughs> that they completely think the world is their oyster. And I don't think, I've tried very hard to make them insecure, and it's not working. Um, <laughs> but um, they really have this weird, penile confidence that is really hard to shake and you know I, I sometimes I, I would have liked I wish there's a regret I wish I had a girl like it, it was it, to raise one and because it was it's sort of fascinating to watch the self-editing that goes on and again it's not women's fault they shouldn't have to behave like this but it doesn't change until we start to grab to take what's ours and I think one of the things I think I've done really well and I give this advice to all you is I always ask for tons of money like whenever I'm doing something I know it sounds dumb but when I was negotiating with one of these the deal the the Vox deal uh, the guy who runs Vox is astonishing Jim Bankoff and he was I wanted more money he wanted to give me less money this is typical in a negotiation and he goes he's such a nice guy he really is and he's a wonderful person to work with and he goes come on Kara we're friends like that thing you know that one and I said you know I super super love you but give me the fucking money like and, and he laughed and gave me the fucking money. Uh, but, um, but I think that we have to really, it, it would be great to live in a world where you could be the person you are. If you're shy, you don't have to be aggressive. And aggression and obnoxiousness have really worked for me. It, but we're not in that world right now. And I think we have to stop letting, you know, when Donald Trump, this, oh God, this guy, um, <laughs> when he's like saying things, we, we laugh at it. And we, you know what I mean? We like, we don't say this is appalling. I use Twitter a lot to like, you know, that fucking troll, and this and that. And um, I don't think people, you know, we have to speak up, especially right now in this political culture. It's really dangerous what's happening. And one of the things that sort of drove me crazy, and I, I am a supporter of Hillary Clinton, though, when she went on... Um, uh, I like the burn, too. I get, I get it. Um, uh, but, um, but she was on, a, I guess, Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. And she was saying... I guess he had just done the Muslim thing, which we thought was the edge, but it apparently wasn't, um, that he would fall off of. And, um, and he said the Muslim thing, and she goes, now it's not funny. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. word she said. And I, I wrote a note. I, I know them, and I sent it to the Clinton, Clinton people. And I go, oh, so the, the, the Mexican rapists, the disabled, the women, that was funny, and this is This is the new line. This is the new line. I was like, none of it was funny, and you all should have been saying something right at the start. And so now it's too late. Well, okay. Last question for you, since we're still talking about politics. Although I hate to say this, I kind of like Ivanka. You like it? Well, it's true. I can't help She's a successful business lady. I guess. Well, yeah, when you start... We can all be... We're all embarrassed by our family members. Do you know what? When you start on third base, you tend to get to home rather (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I want to end on a question about Hillary Clinton. I'm also a Hillary Clinton supporter. A lot of my friends are, you know, feel the burn. I respect it. I get it. What is it about Hillary that is so compelling? Why, why should this be her year? Uh, I'm not sure it's so compelling. That's the problem, unfortunately. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders is compelling um, to a lot of people. Um, I have people I live with who like Bernie Sanders. We have an issue over that. Um, but, um, but um, I, you know, I think the problem is she's a flawed candidate away from her being a woman. I think she's probably, that's the difficulty she's going to face is that, and I think a lot of it is sexist. Not all of it, for sure. Not all of it. There's definitely stuff that, that they have done that needs to be examined. 
But uh, you, when you notice, like, and I love, again, I love the New York Times, but there was one story, every time she had a hangnail, they wrote a story about, like, her. It was fascinating. And I kept saying, when are we going to see the stories on adorable Bernie Sanders that don't have to do with his comb over? You know what I mean? Like, let's talk about his, the same thing with Trump. You know, they had all these sort of attacks and all the other candidates. They, they went after Christie, which I don't mind in any way, but, um, and Jeb Bush and others, but they never, they have not written serious stories, and I love the New York Times, so it pisses me off, serious stories about, um, about Trump and his finances and his claims and everything else. Not a serious, tough story. And, it, you know, it's all funny, funny stuff with him. And so I think, you know, I think the problem with Hillary Clinton is she's, she, there's the sexist stuff that goes on. There's uh, her own history, which is problematic. There's, uh, there's weariness about her. People, people are in a rage right now, both on the left and the right. And I'm not sure a candidate like her, I don't know what she could do. It's going to be a really tough election because people do want change, but not in the Barack Obama way. They want to do it in the fear way. It's a fear election. And even though hope tends to be a better election, we're not there. Today, it's fear. And so in those cases, you get populists and uh, angry people, and that tends to work, and it's really sad. Well, maybe we'll still Sorry, get a, that's maybe, a bummer. I know, that's like a bummer to end on, but maybe, no, we'll, no. maybe we'll get a lady no. president in our lifetime. No, so I, think, I think she should, I think she, uh, she certainly has worked her ass off to get there, but she certainly is deserving and is very qualified, and I'm going to put all my support to her. And it may be cynical, but we should back her because she's probably the one who could win. So that's, I, that's unfortunately cynical. But, um, and I like... Don't worry, Kara. When you run for mayor of San Francisco, we'll all be there for okay, you. Good. Thank okay, you good. So Thank much you so much for joining Thank us. You. Okay, you can find us many places on the internet. Call your callyourgirlfriend.com, callyrgf at gmail.com if you want to write us. We promise we read most of them. Uh, so just be really specific with your question because we don't have all day sometimes. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at callyrgf. You can also find us on Facebook. I don't know that, so you can look it up yourself. Uh, <laughs> And uh, you can even leave us a sweet and uh, short voicemail. We love getting voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Gina Delvac. Okay. See you on the internet. See you on the internet, guys. Thank you for coming. I'm Melissa Cleeter, and we collected 3,897 tampons, 2,006 pads, 788 panty liners, 14 soft cups, and $137 at the CYG Live event to benefit homeless and transient women in D.C. Big thanks to everyone who helped make it happen, with special shout-out to Steph, Aaron, Liz, Dee, Mallory, and the CYG crew. 